Hi everyone, welcome and thanks for listening to the Cephi podcast. Today we're joined by Dr. Sophie Kraps and her research into professional identity and engineering roles on one of Europe's largest projects of its kind. The tools she's developed are being used by universities across the world to help students understand how to develop their strengths as innovators, implementers and communicators. Welcome to the European Engineering Educators podcast by CEFI, the European Society for Engineering Education. Our mission is to develop and improve engineering education and strengthen its image in society. So I think, Neil, one thing I always stress with students and um, increasingly is about the sort of diverse types of roles engineers can take and sort of try and encourage them to explore what their values and motivations and skills are so yeah. they can understand, you know, what role they might yeah. want to take on. But I do recognize that I find this quite difficult sometimes because I'm not necessarily fully aware of all the roles that are available. I think yeah. it it changes a lot as we engineering is getting more complex and multidisciplinary. But also I think I stress it with them so much because I also <laughs> sort of experience like feeling like I don't quite fit in a role <laughs> and that sort of sense of dissatisfaction and lack of motivation that comes with that. Yeah. So I, I do feel it's important. Like, how do you feel about that? Well, I think like you, I'm, I mean, I've experienced being uncomfortable and, and unfulfilled in particular roles and, and that's part of life. Uh, but I yeah. do think there are frameworks and tools now that allow people to make better choices. So I'm really excited to learn more. Welcome, Sophie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Neil. Happy Hi. to be here. So, Dr. Sophie Kraps is a member of the Study Guidance Research Group of the Leuven Engineering and Science Education Centre at KU Leuven. Her background includes student recruitment, study guidance, science communication and careers counselling at the Faculty of Engineering Technology and her research interests focus on professional identity development, professional competencies and diversity within engineering. So Sophie, you've obviously got experience in a lot of areas and I'm really curious to learn about your path into engineering education research, but also how your background and previous experiences helped you in that. Okay, well, uh, in secondary education, I did maths and science, mm. but then maybe as many girls do when they have to go to uh, university or higher education. I left the track and I chose social sciences, mm -hmm. but I have always been passionate by that science technology. So I worked first in private sector, but uh, then I came back to university and I started as a study counselor. Mm -hmm. And there uh, I also gave career counseling to students and I noticed that uh, a lot of them were a bit lost. They get jobs by the hand. <laughs> um, but despite that choice that they had, they didn't really know what job to take or what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So then at some point, the a European project passed by uh, and I noticed that and I yeah, felt that it was a great opportunity to, to dive into that topic mm. and, and go deeper. So that is how I ended up in research. So Sophie, you're from Catholic University of Leuven, KU Leuven in Leuven, Belgium. It's one of Europe's oldest universities founded in 1425. 
It's also Belgium's largest university with approximately 60,000 students and 12,000 staff. Can you tell us more about engineering at KU Leuven? Yes, indeed. KU Leuven is the oldest and largest university uh, in Belgium. And it is a comprehensive university, so indeed a lot of students and a lot of staff. (laughs) Um, So the education and research, well, it's in nearly all fields. And I work in the Faculty of Engineering uh, Technology, which has more than 6,000 students spread over six campuses in Flanders. And that's the largest (laughs) one of uh, this uh, science and engineering technology group. But there is close collaboration and we collaborate in LASAC, the the Leuven Engineering and Science Education Centre. That is a community of researchers and uh, practitioners contributing to the advancement in education uh, in science, engineering and technology group. And it was established, I think, in 2009 and has been growing since. And so... So KU Leuven has a real pedigree in engineering education and uh, you're here today to talk about your preferred project on professional roles and identity. So before we talk about uh, this project, can you describe what we mean by professional identity? Professional identity reflects how people define themselves in professional work roles according to attitudes, beliefs, experiences, motivations. Actually, there are two broad approaches of identity formation uh, identified in literature. Uh, you have a theories or identity theories, and they focus on the process of identification and actually the way one categorizes himself as an occupant of a role, like here an engineering role. Yeah. And how to incorporate the meanings, expectations associated with that role. And then you have more another stream of theories, the social identity theories, and they emphasize more the process of self-categorization. So how do you see yourself? How do you see how you belong to, to a certain group of, of engineers? In my work, I would argue for an integrated view on that identity formation. It's like uh, identifying with engineering and also being identified as an engineer. And that is really a process. It's where students become aware of what they like, what they need, what their goals are, but also about their abilities and interests and how all that corresponds with one or more uh, roles they can take on in the labor market. Uh, So a sense of belonging and attachment that is actually also really important and instrumental in the development of a strong professional identity and so antecedent to pursuing a specific career. So you spoke, um, Sophie, about this sort of professional identity being a process and a journey and, and about development of it, but how does one go about that sort of development process? What's involved? Um in this process, being able to reflect and connect with an engineering role is, is an important uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that actually implies uh, two things. Uh, one, that um, students have enough information about themselves, what, mm. about their own competencies, preferences, personality. That's what we call self-awareness. And then actually also what is required in certain roles, what is expected um, 
to take on a role as an engineer uh, in practice. And I refer to that as professional awareness, the knowledge and understanding what is, yeah, what are the different roles, what is expected uh, in these different roles. So you need to know both. And why do you think it is that some students who study engineering sort of struggle to identify as being an engineer or or sort of struggle with this process? Well, it requires some self-reflection and that is not the most favourite activity of engineering students. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, it is important to have a clear view on who one is, what your strengths and weaknesses are, interest values. So it's an important adaptive competence, actually. Uh, It is also associated with more confidence in one's ability in making good career choices. So it is important, but not something that students automatically (laughs) do Mm -hmm. themselves or engage in. I also heard it in the previous podcast, actually, uh, on teamwork from Emanuela Tilly, Mm -hmm. uh, also mentioned the importance of self-reflection when taking on team roles and how you can contribute to the team's work. And that is exactly the same it's about knowing who you are, what you like and value, what your strengths are, but also why all this is important, how and when you can use it in practice, what roles you can take on, and even better, how and when you can use opportunities in education to improve and to learn. Yeah, I can definitely relate with students resisting this uh, self-awareness and self-reflection sort of aspect. So Sophie, a lot of the work that you've done in this area is uh, in this European project so could you tell us a bit more details about what the Prefer project is and how you make this whole process easier? The Prefer project um, indeed aimed to develop some more concrete tools or instruments um, to, to start this reflective process with students and, and give them some tools actually to navigate through the wide yeah. variety of jobs that are out there. And it had three objectives. So the first one uh, was to construct a professional roles framework describing the different roles an engineer can take on in the beginning of their career. We had the second objective, and that was to develop some tests to increase uh, the students' professional awareness and and to make them reflect on their own engineering identity, their interests, their strengths and weaknesses. Um, With this objective, I work closely uh, with the colleagues of TU Dublin that were partner in um, this project. And then there was a third objective that was on the coordination of TU Delft. Um, And they explored how... um, small but innovative curriculum elements uh, could stimulate that development and, and practice of professional competencies that are were required in, in the different uh, professional roles. So they looked how that could be created and implemented easily in the engineering um, curriculum. So this was a project across three universities and um, you focused on the professional roles. Could you tell us more about these three professional roles that you uncovered? Uh, First, it was based upon a systematic literature review. And then what came out there was refined after many conversations with industry, academics, educators and students. I found three models out there that really had a high degree of convergence uh, in how they described roles. It was one uh, actually... um, some work done at our own university uh, a few years earlier 
uh, of Hofland um, in 2015. It was a work based on um, a business model, a business strategy model of Tracy and Wiersma. And it was suggested by someone of the, the work field uh, who said, oh, it's an interesting work. You should have a look uh, because even though it's a business strategy, you can actually re-engineer it. It's really <laughs> linked to engineering roles. Yeah. Uh, so they did a lot of things, some vacancy analysis, some exercises with students, all that. And it seemed to have something in it. Then there was two, oh, there were two, other works, one of Camp and Glass in, in the Netherlands and one of Spinks and colleagues of the UK. Right. Uh, and they had another approach. They did an exercise to see what engineers should we educate or how should we educate the yeah. engineer of the future. So a totally other approach. One did it with academics in some uh, exercise. Uh, the others did it with engineers in the field, with a survey and interviews. But remarkably, the, the roles that came out of it were very similar. So it was one role focusing on innovation, engineers who develop new products, technologies, and so on. Then another role was focused on more uh, optimization. So the smooth design and implementation of operational processes making things more efficient, more, more uh, reliable. And then we have a third role uh, focusing actually on uh, tailored solutions um, of specific clients. So how can we, we customize technology? How can we offer customized uh, solutions? So these three roles came out. So there was multiple independent studies and they all seem to converge on three roles Yes, indeed. Yeah, indeed. So very similar descriptions. Uh, so was I made a summary of it, uh, took out uh, all, all these little details that appeared maybe in one research, not in the other. So made good uh, definitions of these three roles. And then I took it a step further, of course, and, and start to validate it. So uh, I validated the model on the one hand with industry. Uh, we did some survey. Um, with around one, yeah, almost 200 uh, companies filled it in. And then I also organized a focus group uh, with bachelor students and also with master students, did some interviews, uh, around 70 students participated in that to see how they perceived um, these three roles. And then, of course, we also had some conversations with program directors and, and educators to also have their uh, opinion. So that's how we validated this uh, threefold role model. So if you go to the prefer website um you present this model as a venn diagram don't you and mm -hmm. the model has these three roles product leadership radical innovation customer intimacy tailored solutions and operational excellence process optimization as as the three roles and then it's this venn diagram and then inside that venn diagram are multiple descriptions of the kinds of skills that that are part of that role and that and there's overlap between these roles as well this came out of this validation process so how did you find more detail for each of the roles well that we worked very closely again with industry so the first step was identifying what roles can you take on. But of course, we wanted to make that more concrete uh, so that uh, we can work with students on 
yeah, what does an industry expect of these different roles and what differentiate between one role and another. So it was a, a very intensive exercise. I organized expert panels. And the experts were, of course, engineers in the field um, and also uh, some HR uh, people also in, uh, joined these, these panels. And we gave them really long lists of competencies with uh, definitions, uh, so a well-defined list of competencies, yeah. uh, 64 to be uh, <laughs> exact. Um, so now in this exercise, we force them to make a choice and, and to really focus on the essential part. Yeah. Um, but then we had an overall score of this group, and that uh, was a really good foundation to start discussing uh, a, a discussion um, so things could move. And so that was more like qualitative uh, approach. It was a mixed method approach. So we started quantitatively rating, selecting most important things uh, or competencies, and then uh, they had to come to an agreement. So Sophie, you spoke about giving a list of, of 64 different professional competencies. I'm wondering if you could sort of tell us a bit more about what you mean by professional competencies, but also how you defined this list. So uh, at the moment that um, I started to work on this uh, research, I could not actually find one coherent list of competencies, mm -hmm. actually even not like uh, accreditation bodies provide this in detail. Yeah, you can find several things uh, you see that competences are also defined in several ways, not always very comparable. Sometimes it is. Uh, so we were forced actually to choose one that was uh, yeah, very clear, uh, something clear and well-defined to work with. Mm -hmm. Then we came up with Bartram that is have some uh, solid scientific background and is also well-known in HR. The benefit of this was that it was a long list of 64 well-defined competences where we could work with. And later on, I compared it, for example, with the list that was later available of the OECD, definition and selection of competencies. And actually, it still holds. So we actually just needed something that was uh, extensive enough, in detail enough, and well-defined so that we could work with in our expert panels so that we all know that we were talking about the same things. Okay, so you made use um, of this list of competencies available, and then you sort of identified the mix of competencies for these three specific roles that you'd already defined. So product leadership, operational excellence, and customer intimacy. So you say in your work that engineering positions offered by companies typically have a combination of two or three of these roles. Of these roles and sort of role combinations, which do you think are most in demand by industry? The role of operational excellence is actually the most broad one. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of jobs uh, can be aligned to the role of operational excellence. The least are in the product leadership, so uh, the role that focuses on radical innovation and developing new ideas, new product processes. And then you have the role of this customer intimacy, which is growing and, and becoming larger and larger, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so the least in, in the innovative role, actually, where 
if you ask students, uh, especially first year students, they're more in- most uh, interested in that role. So uh, there's a little yeah. bit of a mismatch <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, most interested is the least available in the labor market, actually. Oh, no. But perhaps it's also the one that, that speaks to your imagination the most, yeah. uh, inventing yeah. new things and making the world better. And that's maybe also why they start studying engineering. Yeah. Um, so the, the preference change also over the, the course of, <laughs> of the, the, the engineering program. Uh, it's, it's more differentiated um, when we, you speak to, to master students. Yeah. So we have students at the start of their study very interested in innovation. We have their, their ultimate destinations in, in companies looking for people who are skilled in operational excellence and the universities are in between those two extremes what do you think the uh, influences on the universities in terms of the education and 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 the the roles they develop um, do we develop particular roles more than others yeah it's it seems so that uh, there is an influence on the university as well Last year, I collaborated with Esteem during European uh, yeah, um, Study Board for Industrial and Engineering Management. I hope I just say that correctly now. <laughs> so we initiated a collaboration to explore role preferences in different universities in Europe. Uh, and um, six European universities filled in uh, the survey to indicate their preference and and it was noted that the distribution of the preferred roles varied between the different locations universities in south and more eastern europe for example Uh, but also we think that there is there is an influence by university-based factors such as curricula or yeah also due to the, the the local regional employment opportunities for example our faculty is actually more focusing on operational excellence. Mm. Uh, and we see that also that the preference of our students change a little bit over time. And perhaps most interesting uh, to indicate that the universities have a role in that is uh, I also did a case study with master's students, electronics and ICT, and uh, they showed the least interest for the customer intimacy role. Uh, And and in focus group earlier, students also mentioned that they were least familiar uh, with that role. However, yeah, a small intervention uh, had already a significant impact. For example, uh, where students first mentioned that they really had... uh, yeah, a, a very strict preference for a certain role. After the intervention, they had a broader interest and indicated more often a preference for more than one role, which was very encouraging because, uh, as yeah. industry mentioned, like half of the job requires actually a combination of, of two roles. So that showed that some small interventions, some small things that we can do uh, in the university can have impact on yeah, what students know, how where did they look at, and what they find interesting. So. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. So it seems like there's lots of potential and benefits here. And we've we've spoken about the first part of the the preferred project um in quite a bit of detail now, the professional roles part. So I'm just wondering about the sort of second part you mentioned, which is this sort of creation of diagnostic tools, I guess, and and how they can be used um, to help with with this. 
Yes, we wanted to make it more concrete and offer students tools to, to go on with that and to create this awareness and start of this reflection process. Mm-hmm. So we developed two uh, tests. The first mm-hmm. one is a prefer explore test, and that's actually quite easy test and questions. It takes about five, eight minutes to fill it in. You get some mm-hmm. questions and then some options and you rank these options in terms of, of your preference. What do you like most and what do you like least? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the outcome is um, an overview of how they prefer the different roles. So it's actually like a first exploration of what roles can you take on as an engineer and what do I seem to prefer? Where is my interest? Uh, So it's something that you can start using from day one, um, the first year engineers. And it's really good to to start that reflection on there are more possibilities. It's not just the engineer or the stereotypical engineer, but you have different roles you can take on. And what do I like? Uh, Mm -hmm. And so we want to encourage them to to open their mind uh, about it and and to get several experiences so they can experience the different roles throughout uh, the program. Then there is a second test, that's the preferred match test, and that's more work for the students. Uh, It's not this allied test like the preferred explore test. These are actually three tests, one per role, and these are situational judgment tests. That means that for every competence that is um, was indicated as essential in that role, we created a situation in collaboration, again, with industry, some situation that you as a young engineer in a company can encounter every day. And of course, something happens there and then uh, a reaction is given and mm-hmm. the student has to judge that reaction uh, in terms of appropriateness. How appropriate do you think or inappropriate do you think this reaction is? Mm -hmm. Uh, So they get some reactions for each situation. And then the outcome is that their judgment is compared to judgments of engineers in the fields. So we asked engineers also to fill in these tests. Mm -hmm. uh, So their reactions are compared. So it's not a very deep competence test because they already exist for several competences but here we wanted to create something really contextualized uh, for engineers so all these cases are just by reading the cases they learn about what happens in practice so they'll learn more about engineering practice but also about their self how do I align with the role and also they get an indication of the of the different competencies and any student can access these tests on the profile website is that right yes they're open for use uh, so you do not need a login code or something we have foreseen login codes as well uh, for educators if you want to work with these tools uh, in your courses um, you can uh, yeah ask a login code we give it to you and you can hand it over to your students and by doing that, we can identify the results of your students. And then you can work, for example, with the overall result in the class. Yeah. And then students can position themselves, uh, compare them to their peers, things like that. So you can do more with these tools um, in, in educational context. Okay, Sophie, we've talked about the um, preferred project, those first two parts of it, the professional roles definition and uh, those eight competencies in the mix between them. And then we have some diagnostic tools to see how people can profile themselves against those roles. The third part of the preferred project was the uh, sort of small teaching interventions to to support this. 
And could you tell us a bit more about them? That was work mainly done by the colleagues of uh, TU Delft. And they uh, developed some small like plug and play uh, modules that you can easily use in your uh, your course, for example. Uh, They designed a game-based learning activity um, in order to trigger reflection on the communication skills orally and written. Um, so they, they designed a few modules like that, and you can find on the website uh, yeah. all the necessary documents to use it. So we can see that the preferred project has big implications for industry and academics in terms of defining and giving people tools to understand engineering roles, you know, perhaps in a way that they've not done so before. The preferred project is now coming to its uh, conclusion. So we're, in, we're interested to know, you know, what's next? So what's next is that there are already two other projects uh, running, one <laughs> funded by KU Leuven and, and okay. one is another European project. The one funded by KU Leuven is an urgent project where we focus on underrepresented groups in engineering, so we can improve that as well. Yeah. And we think that there is more in these tools than that can come out and, and help in that regard. So I've spoken about the Prefer Explore test, this preference test, with, which was a, a small test aiming to, to broaden uh, the view on what you can do as an engineer. Yeah. So now we are redesigning uh, it a little bit so that it can be used in secondary education um, oh, wow. as a tool to make a study choice. Because we see there that there are a lot of girls that uh, are in science and maths, but they do not choose for engineering so we we are there has been uh, already a lot of research done in that area but still it's not very clear that no. what are the barriers why are they going to medicine <laughs> a lot of times and not to engineering for example um, and can we help to broaden their image on engineering and then another part in that project actually focuses on the other end <laughs> on, on uh, more focused on the labor market because in here, we designed this as tools for students and to support our students. But uh, industry is uh, asking whether they can use these tools as well oh, wow. um, okay. for uh, recruiting uh, yeah. the potential candidates, uh, which costs a lot of money. And certainly mm. if they start in their company and then realize after a few months that it's not what they expected it to be, then uh, it costs a lot of money. So they see high potential in uh in the tools uh, in that regard, but also for engineers that want to reorientate and often also uh, are in a yeah quite focused track of thinking. Uh, so these tools can start also a new reflection process for them. Uh, so uh, we're looking to, to both sides, actually. Uh, there's more in these tools than just only use in, in education. So also focusing on secondary education and on the labour market there. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today to share your insights on the Prefer project. To finish, what advice would you give to our listeners who are looking to improve engineering identities and sort of help students with career choices in their own contexts? Maybe I can give four small advices. (laughs) Uh, First of all, do remind that context matters. So contextualize and make explicit 
what is taught in the program, engineering program, and why that is important for engineers in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, the prefer framework with the competency profiles can can be of use and to help contextualize uh, why you are learning certain things. Mm-hmm. Second, include reflection on the future role as an engineer. Again, these preferred tests can help. You can include it in the curriculum, but it can also be, students can be encouraged to, to take it extracurricular. Also, there's a, a lot uh, potential in extracurricular activities. As sometimes you have student competitions, uh, guest lectures, all, all kinds of events. So encourage students to participate uh, and get um, that they can explore their opportunities and, and gain some experiences. Mm-hmm. Third, I think it's important to start from day one and also be flexible in your curriculum. Uh, curricula allowing students an opportunity to chart their own course, give them some choice uh, in the program. I do not offer them just fixed programs <laughs> throughout mm-hmm. the whole education, but give them some choice so they, they force think uh, about and they can also uh, make their own trajectory according to their preferences and strengths. Mm-hmm. And then final, uh, sometimes overlooked, I think, is support a lecturer in all that. Lecturers also have a role they play. Eh? They, they are role models for our students, so they can, that is sometimes underused. But also they can use some support in, for example, giving good feedback uh, to students or making the link to their future careers. Mm-hmm. Not every uh, teacher feels very comfortable in doing that. Maybe they, they like experiences themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, uh, the material developed in the tests, for example, can help teachers um, to, for example, get inspired by examples uh, that they can use to, to give feedback to students and show why things are important or what they can learn or what they can do with that. And in doing all that, I think it's also important to acknowledge the limitation of our education. We cannot do everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are, for example, a lot of competences uh, in the framework. Maybe it's some are easily trained in education, but others are less easily trained. So how do you learn to develop some vision, some long-term uh, thinking, for example, if your project ends like within eight weeks, for example? Yeah. Uh, so some are more difficult to, to train in our education, but that's okay. We, we, but acknowledge that. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we have to hide it or never mention it. And you can certainly mention that these things are important as well, but that there will be some training uh, that continues at once in the labor field as well. Uh, so recognize what you can do in education and also acknowledge your limitations in that process. Great. So, Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And you've given us loads to to think about definitely thanks sophie oh it was a pleasure so i think previously before we recorded this episode i'd thought of sophie's work as helping us to help students decide what type of engineer they want to be Mm. but i think after we spoke to her i can really see it as a more holistic approach to think about how we might bring more people into engineering and you know see how they might fit as an engineer and all the sort of diverse roles that engineers can do um, yeah. all the way through I guess then the degree program and out into the workplace to really help graduates understand what what role they're best suited to um, mm. 
What did you think, Neil? Um, well, I was familiar with Sophie's work uh, before mm. we recorded. And what I did was, um, a while ago, surveyed people in my institution. Uh, uh -huh. that all, I surveyed all the students about mm. these three roles mm -hmm. and what they thought about the mixture. And I got I got 600 responses, which, oh, wow. was, which is amazing. Yeah. And it, it was interesting because, you know, remember those three roles. I found that you know, half the students had operational excellence as their top choice. Right. About a third were the creative product leaders and the customer intimacy was, as Sophie said, you know, much lower, you know, only 15%. Yeah. So this mix seems to, it'd be interesting for people listening if, you know, if they try something similar in, in their universities, um, mm. whether they get similar kind of results. And, and that yeah. made me think about, well, what what do we want to do? Do we want to shift that needle, mm. or do we accept it? And 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 how does that impact on our teaching and and how we um, present things? That that was my takeaway. Was um, you know to think about how we can uh, manage that mix. Yeah, really interesting. So thank you um, for joining us again to listen to this episode. Just a reminder that you can get in contact with us if you've got any feedback on the podcast or if there's any particular topics that you would like or be interested in us um, featuring on, on one of the episodes. Also a reminder that you can access the show notes, which have got all the key resources and sort of links to some of Sophie's work and the various quizzes that she referred to in the episode. So until next time, take care. Goodbye. Bye-bye.